Rasa is more than just a coffee alternative. Rasa coffee is herbalist formulated to ensure safety, quality, and efficacy. That was my dog barking in the background because she agrees with me. Okay, so here's why I love Rasa coffee. Not only is it a female-owned business, I've yet to meet a coffee company that is as ethical and sustainable as Rasa is. Those of you who listen to the podcast already know that my favorite is the spicy rose cacao. It's a sex tonic and it's got less than five milligrams of caffeine because although I enjoy the caffeine, I always like to just go a little bit lighter for myself. This specific blend includes relaxing aphrodisiacs and it's helpful for tension, to release any stress, and to stimulate any aphrodisiacs for those of you when you need a little extra fire. And there's absolutely no adaptogen washing. Many companies call their herbs and mushrooms adaptogens when they aren't. One of the most inspiring things that I love about this company is their attention to detail and their level of integrity. Did I mention it was a female-owned business? Yes. They are female-owned business, and we are absolutely proud to have them as a sponsor. So support this business and support this podcast. Visit wearerasa.com, and for our listeners, they're offering 15% off when you use the code LOVED. That's wearerasa.com and use the code LOVED, L-O-V-E-D, for 15% off. Or you can use the code on the info button of this particular podcast. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by... By optimizers. Most gut health supplements include all the same old ingredients packed into capsules. But what if there was a breakthrough gut repair supplement that had a new patented ingredient that tasted great and came in a powder form so that you can just add it to your water, add it to coffee, or your favorite smoothie? Well, guess what? That gut repair supplement exists and it's called Leaky Gut Guardian. Not only does it include powerful probiotics and prebiotics, but it also includes a patented one-of-a-kind ingredient called IGY Max. IGY Max is an egg-based protein that enhances gut health, reverses damage caused by antibiotics, and even helps with immunity threats. I don't think I'm overstating the case when I say that IGY Max is one of the most powerful gut nutrients ever discovered, and it's in every serving of Leaky Gut Guardian. By taking Leaky Gut Guardian daily, you'll eliminate bad bacteria, feel the good bacteria, and repair your gut lining and build up your immunity all at the same time. Now here's the fun part. Leaky Gut Guardian comes in two delicious flavors, vegetarian vanilla and chocolate carnivore. The chocolate one's my favorite. And just like it sounds, Bioptimizer's vegetarian vanilla flavor is a vegetarian formula. The chocolate carnivore flavor, on the other hand, is an enhanced formula that includes collagen and bone broth for additional gut healing and anti-aging benefits. Leaky Gut Guardian is easy to add into your daily routine and it could completely transform both your gut health and your immunity. So you experience fewer gut problems, less gas and bloating, and even less sickness. Simply add one scoop of the vegetarian vanilla or the chocolate carnivore to your favorite beverage, a coffee, smoothie, or even just a simple glass of water. It mixes well, it tastes delicious, and you'll be helping repair your gut health with powerful prebiotics, probiotics, and the patented IGY Max protein. So what are you waiting for? Repair your gut health and power up your immunity today by trying Leaky Gut Guardian risk-free at leakygutguardian.com forward slash radically loved and use radically loved 10 to receive 10% off of any order. You have 365 day money back guarantee. That's leakygutguardian.com forward slash radically loved. And now back to our show. Long sigh, everybody. Let's just take together. Let's take a deep collective. 
That felt good. Oh, so nice. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another glorious episode of Radically Loved. The only reason why I say it's glorious is because of this, because you're here. You, the listener, are here with us. Tessa's here. Hello, everyone. (laughs) I always just assume people, you guys should all just assume at the beginning of the podcast, Tessa's going to be here with us because that's just, she's here now forever. I'm like a little birdie sitting on your shoulder. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's so good. Fun fact, birdie is my nickname. I think I've told you this before. Yes, you have. So you can call me birdie. Little birdie. (laughs) Little birdie birdie on on our uh, on our little shoulder there mm-hmm. keeping us keeping us in the in the right direction keeping us accountable keeping us on track yeah. uh that being said hello everybody it's been such a great week we are heading towards spring it's coming i feel it do you feel mm-hmm. it oh my god it's a glorious day here birds are chirping speaking of birdies i love sitting on my front porch and listening to their little sing songy yeah spring is- i literally i can yeah. i wonder sometimes i wonder if you guys can hear the bird I can hear here. them. You can hear them. Yeah. So wild, right? Well, I love that. Sometimes they're very, people can hear them whenever I teach at Wanderlust, my live classes on Saturday mornings. Like that's the main comment that I always get. People are like, I always love listening to the birds. I guess I've tuned them out after the last two years that I've lived here. But I mean, I love listening to it in the morning. It's that waking up to, they have like a huge little sanctuary in, on our hedge. So they're just here all the time. So it's Are so they nice just like, here. do you know what kind of birds you have? Like little I, finches, little I, hummingbirds. I, yeah, we definitely have hummingbirds, lots of hummingbirds. We have a couple of hummingbird feeders in different parts of the backyard because they just love it back here. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know exactly what kind of birds they are. I should know. I mean, they're pretty native to this part of Southern California, but I, I don't know. I'm going to find out. Actually, that's a good it's a good little, oh, I love that. I'll send you a picture. Maybe you can help us. I'll do a little bird sleuthing. Oh, perfect. <laughs> bird sleuth. Um, okay. So it's been summit week all week. You guys, I, first of all, today is the last day ish. You will have an opportunity to watch all of the speakers, all 25 incredible speakers for 48 hours but you have to sign up now and don't worry, you won't get a link until probably I think tomorrow morning or maybe Monday. I'm not sure. I'm sorry. This is a little bit incomplete information. I don't have it. I'm sharing with you what, what I have. All I know for a fact is that if you go to radicallylove.com and you sign up, you will get a link to all 25 speakers and you'll have access to it for 48 hours, right? Tess? Yep. 48 hours. Yeah. So please, if you don't feel like you missed out, there's going to be a recap. Just go check it out. It's free. There's nothing weird. There's no fee. There's nothing you have to pay. I'm not trying to sell you anything. It's like just content for all of you. We, we did it for you. The people listening to listening to this podcast, you're part of our community. I've been doing this podcast since 2015. It's about time that I do something as a thank you. And this is it. So check it out. Let us know what you thought. We love hearing all the feedback. We love getting tagged on Instagram. Thank you guys so much uh, for your support. For those of you who have been tuning in uh, thousands, which is mm-hmm. ah, so cool. It's crazy. Okay. <laughs> um, 
So I'm, some of you can see I'm wearing my love without a reason shirt. And today's guest is somebody who has truly inspired me. And I'll give you a little bit of background. I'll give you a little story as to how I met Lorea Gaston is on today. She's our guest. She has a new book. Um, she has a new book coming out called love without a reason, the lost art of giving a fuck. Uh, am I, can I say fuck on my show? Yes, I can. Um, (laughs) I give you permission. Thank you. (laughs) And so Lorea, she is this, I'm like, she's this sort of, uh, selfless activist, loving, uh, just being, you know, I, I, I don't even know how I would describe her. I've, I've called her before. Uh, like she's a modern day mother Teresa. Uh, she moved to LA from New York city and she was basically shocked by the level of poverty that she saw in the streets of downtown LA. And she immediately wanted to help. So she spent some time with people in skid row and she was just compelled to, to, to create, uh, something to create something to, to help. Right. Uh, so she created lunch on me, which is a nonprofit organization. It's dedicated to ending starvation while providing opportunities to enrich mind, body, and spirit connection, which we all love. We're all about that. She has done so many different events to bring more awareness, to bring more humanity to you know, these people that live with mental illness, you know, not only do they not have a place to live, but they also are constantly living with mental illness. And, you know, the best way that she felt she could be of service was to provide meals and not just any kind of meals. You know, she was working for a long time to provide organic meals. So the whole foundation lunch on me serves over 10,000 plus homeless individuals and families every month. And, basically her, her, uh, like purpose, her goal is to address the issues of homelessness throughout the entire country. So that's sort of her big vision. So a couple of years ago, I was, I went to an event, uh, Tim story, uh, event, who's this incredible motivational speaker, um, I would call him a love evangelist. He's, uh, also going to be on the show very soon. So it'll be nice to kind of bring this whole story full circle. I was at a Tim story event and he, it was at a uh, wanderlust in Hollywood. So back when the studio was open, uh, maybe it was right after it opened. I was, I was teaching there and, uh, yeah, they were doing this big event and I had met Tim before and one of his, uh, court, like people that he works with had, had invited me to come to this, this, uh, he was doing, I don't know what you would call it, like a sermon or like a motivational, like weekly gathering, like, I don't know what you would call it, like a book club type of thing. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. basically Tim would give these sermon, these, I keep calling them sermons. Like he would give these (laughs) sermons and it was great. It was a great way to, it was like a networking event, you know, it, it was free and, and he would donate his time and, you know, people would have an opportunity to speak and share what was on their heart or what they were working on, how they needed support from the community. And during one of these events, he had Lorea come up on stage and start talking about this. 
the minute she went on that stage, I was like, who is that? Like, Mm -hmm. who is this beautiful mermaid being (laughs) (laughs) who's talking about like passionately Mm -hmm. talking about feeding the homeless, talking about paying attention to what is happening to our city, to encouraging us to do the little that we can to help with this issue. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I need to talk to her. I want to be her friend. I want to, I want to be involved. I want to be involved in whatever it is that she's doing. And so after Mm -hmm. she came off stage, I went up to her and I was like, Hey, hi, (laughs) I'm, I'm Rosie. And I have this podcast called radically loved radio. And we have a, a, a nice, decent platform. Um, I really love what you were sharing. If you ever want the, the, if you ever want to share on my show, I would love to interview you and, and have you talk about what you're doing. And she agreed. And we kind of emailed back and forth and, and yeah, so she did my podcast, I, I think like four years ago. Um, and it was the first podcast she ever did, the first interview really? that she ever wow. did. Yeah. Oh, that's so and cool. Yes. And I didn't find this out until a couple of years ago, actually, because we did a speaking event and she mm-hmm. she came up to me and was like, you know, your podcast was actually the first podcast I ever did. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Perfect. But we stayed connected after that. And I did have the opportunity to go and, and be a part of um a, a couple of her events that she mm-hmm. was doing. And I, I got to spend some time at uh, the, this women's shelter where she would do these events, uh, these uh, self-care events. She'd have Reiki and henna and painting mm-hmm. and yoga cool. and meditation. And, you know, and it was just a, a beautiful experience. And yeah. so I've been a, a true believer and supporter of everything and anything that she's doing because she's just an incredibly uh, grounded, loving human being. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, she's my, she's my people. And so the minute I saw that she was writing a book, I was obviously so excited. And I was like, how can we support you? How can we continue to get this message out? A message that I find it to be very important. I mean, you know, this living, Mm -hmm. you're living in Vancouver, you spend a lot of time in Portland. And I mean, the homeless situation up there is. Yeah. It's interesting how it's evolved. Uh, Just even in the last three to six months, I've seen such a huge change in the way that it's being addressed or not addressed. I'm not really even sure what kind of language to use around it, but I definitely see a difference. And it's like, yeah, the lost art of giving a fuck. I mean, what an apt title. It does really feel like a lost art. And yeah. I often, I mean, I think about this because, you know, I run um, in Portland most weekdays. And one of my favorite runs is along the Springwater Corridor, which is basically like the whole four miles that I run a homeless camp. And I just feel like, God, there has to be some way to help to address this. So I'm, I'm so excited to hear what Lorea has to say because yeah. we all need to Yeah. Help. And look, uh, truth be told, this is a very highly uh, politicized mm-hmm. topic because, yeah. you know, I'm in California and I don't ever like to talk about politics, especially not on the show. Like this is just not the place. This isn't 
you know, and, and I never have, and I, I hope to never have to do that, you know, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to creating anything that's going to cause that's going to shed a light on something that's going to divide us this, this show and, and this whole, everything that I do is about unification. It's about what is going to be, what is going to be the common thread where we can actually work through those differences. I'm not saying be blind to the differences. Let's come on. You know, I'm saying let's put our energy into the things that are going to bring the common ground, but this topic, I'll tell you, I mean, it really is, it's such a shitty thing, especially in LA. I mean, like I've been here my entire life. Like Mm -hmm. it is highly politicized. It is, you know, people it's, it's hard to actually do the things that we need to do in order to help, Yeah, you know, in, in, in a very, uh, structured way or like in, in the way that we're supposed to help with regard to like policies and shit like that. It's, it Mm -hmm. it gets really difficult. And to me, I'm like, okay, do you guys want us to help people or not? You know, like, Mm -hmm. so anyway, we, we don't get too much into that. We, we talk about a little bit just for people to, to know that, but the, at the end of the day, the most important thing is this, we do what we can And it's not going to look the same for everybody, you know? Mm -hmm. And what I love about Lorea and what she talks about and what she preaches is that there is so many, so many different ways to bring love to other people. You know, Mm -hmm. she, she definitely wanted to utilize her journey to, um, to tell the story of how she got to be where she is like her own, uh, acceptance of love, her own approach to how she helps people, like how she has the bandwidth to help people. You know, she talks about how she deeply cares about people. And, and she talks about how our external world does not support caring for um, and loving others. So she said, our external world does not support caring for other for for and loving others it does not support being vulnerable. So like she talks Mm -hmm. about that, you know, she Mm -hmm. talks about the, the structures that we have within ourselves where we can render ourselves powerless. Mm -hmm. And it is kind of a daunting thing. You know, I drive by these, I drive by these places or when I'm in Portland, you know, I drive by downtown or, you know, through by the waterfront and I see tent city and yeah, you think, wow, how do you, how do you help this? Like, how do you even begin? You know, it's like, do I donate money? Do I mm-hmm. donate my time? Do I, you know, and it's like, you just do what you can. You just do the little that you can, even if it's just, you do it once a month or you, you volunteer your time, your presence. I mean, for me, personally, my, my biggest, um, form where I feel the most complete is donating my time, like Mm -hmm. being there, being present or acknowledging, like just even acknowledging another human being. Exactly. You know, Mm -hmm. that's where I was going to go with that. It's just, and I mean, I'm sure I could do a lot more, but at least the simple acknowledgement of a smile, good morning. How are you? Um, you know, yeah, acknowledging like this is a human being in front of me who is having a human experience and and letting that be the thing that you do the day. That yeah, day, you know. Yes, I mean one of the things that she said. I'm going to quote her. She said the important part 
the important part is what we are doing on a daily basis. And sometimes it starts with just acceptance and love and love mm-hmm. and being kind to each other. Yeah. I love that. So to me, I'm like, oh, okay, well, it doesn't mean you have to go volunteer at a shelter. It doesn't mean that you have to drive by skid row. It doesn't mean sometimes it just means I'm going to be, I'm just going to be nice to my neighbor. I'm going to just smize, you know, smile under the mask or whatever, like at the grocery (laughs) store to somebody, you know, and just give that level of compassion, that level of care and look, I mean, this is what this whole podcast is about. I mean, that's what radically loved is all about. I mean, it's all stemming from the same idea that we are connected, that we are, it's, this is where I can get in alignment with the Buddhist thinking, the Buddhist teachings of interconnectedness and the whole idea of the Bodhisattva, which is, we can't achieve happiness until everybody else is happy, which I feel a little bit like, oh, that makes me sad because I'm like, it's never going to happen. Mm. But but there is a, a beautiful and noble intention behind that mm-hmm. where I can strive to lift my brothers and sisters up from a place of hopelessness, from a place of despair And that to me means it's lifting me up at the same time. You know, we can't just ignore the fact that there are people that are out there without love that don't have any connection to love, Mm -hmm. you know, that don't have any connection to somebody being kind or somebody caring for them. And that to me, it, it makes me feel gratitude. We've talked about this before, but you know, every night before I go to bed, I always do that thing where I take a quick inventory and I go, okay, if I don't wake up tomorrow, did I live well today? Mm. Did I, did I tell the people that I love them, that I love them? Um, did I, do I feel okay with the way the day went? Sometimes I'm just like, fuck it. Yeah. I'm tired. Like, yes. (laughs) fine. It went well. I did the things. I'm fucking exhausted. Yes. But other times I really stop and I'm like, oh God, okay, I'm going to send my sister this text or mm-hmm. I'm going to just, I haven't heard from my mom in a minute. So I'm just going to be like, hi mom. Like just, mm-hmm. you know, those types of things. Or if I'm in an argument with Tori, you know, we try to not go to bed being irritated, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it takes me back to being grateful that I actually have those things. There's people, even maybe somebody listening to this podcast that don't have those people in their lives. They don't have somebody to text. They don't have somebody to lay next to. They don't have an animal or somebody to give them comfort, you know? And to me, I'm just like hoping that this can be that respite for you that just listening to us have this conversation, we acknowledge you, we know that you are there, we know that you're listening and rest assured that you matter, that you are loved and you, you're important to the whole mechanism, the whole tapestry that is this world, that is this life. Yeah, well said, that's so beautiful. It just makes me think of um, even you know, feeling like you're alone, this idea that, you know, maybe I feel alone, even if I'm surrounded by people that to me signals a disconnect between, um, 
my, my physical self and my mental self and my energetic self. So to make that connection and to make that sink in for myself, sometimes it's just as simple as just physically placing my hands on my heart or, I mean, even just doing it right now, it like makes me want to take a deep breath in and a deep breath out. And I feel so much more connected. And maybe that just means like, okay, I'm, I'm checking in with myself. I can feel my heart beating. That's a really tangible thing. I know I'm alive. Yeah. I know I'm trying my best, even if my best doesn't look so good some days, <laughs> but you know, we're all trying our best. We, yeah. we really are. We really are, are all trying our best and it yes. looks different for everybody every day. So that's what I would totally, add to it totally looks different. It looks different. Some, some days it looks epic and other days it's like, wow, that was, can I get a do over? Yeah, like, right. can I just, can I just pretend like Monday didn't happen? Mm. Can we just start fresh the next day? And, you know, truth be told, I don't worry guys, the episode's coming, coming right up. Um, I was having this, this moment with Tori the yesterday and we're driving, uh, I needed to get out of the house and he was going to the post office to deliver some, some packages. And it's literally like seven minutes away. And I'm like, I want to go yeah. <laughs> take me with you. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys know this. I don't have a car. I haven't had a car in like four years. I don't have a vehicle and mm -hmm. it's nice. you know, Tori and I share a car, but I mean, most of the time I don't have to drive anywhere. Like ever. I mean, I go from one place to the next and, you know, Uber is a lifesaver anyway. So we're driving, he's driving. And I was just kind of looking around and thinking, what, what is the point of all of this? Like, what is the purpose? Like, what is the purpose of life? <sighs> yeah. Like <laughs> what is the point? Yeah. You know? And it, it sounds morbid, and it sounds a little bit bleak. And some of you know that I kind of like going that way sometimes. Because to me, it's almost like getting to that point allows me to reset and put mm -hmm. things back into perspective. And when I, and I, I said, I made the mistake of saying it to Tori. And of course, he stops the car. He looks over <laughs> and he's like, what's going on? Like, uh -huh. what happened? What did you see online? who's upsetting you? Like what is happening? What is going on? And I said, no, I just, I think it's really interesting for me personally. I have to, what did I say to him? I'm like, I'm like, I have to deduce things to a molecular level. Mm -hmm. I have to go all the way down to that to he's like, but for what? And I said, just to realize how insignificant it is. Mm-hmm just to realize how insignificant it all is. I mean, truly. And only then for myself, I can realize, wow, none of it matters. Mm -hmm. Nothing matters, but then everything matters. Mm -hmm. Then, then you can go build up from that place and say, okay, there are no longer any, there's no attachment to life. There's no attachment to there's no expectation to, oh, what you think you should be doing right now or what you think your life should look like or how successful this thing needs to be or how well my book needs to sell or any of those things. You know, it just doesn't, it doesn't matter. You can bring your attention back to the things that are going to bring you the most joy and the most happiness because bringing it back full circle again to what I was saying right before I go to bed, the thing I think about is 
did I live well? Did I do everything I wanted to do today if I don't wake up tomorrow? Because yeah, I can go back to that place and say, okay, I just, I did my best, you know, I just, you, and you did your best and, and that's enough. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, you think about it from the, I like to think about it from the perspective of if, if I'm on my deathbed or if you're on your deathbed, you're going to look back on your life and remember what, or consider what are you going to regret that you didn't send that one last email? I doubt it. (laughs) But are you going to, you know, or that about, you had an extra follower, right? Instagram. Yeah. It's not, you're not going to remember that shit, you know, and maybe it seems important in the moment and it's stressing you out in the moment, but it's really important to pause, to be able to pause or to practice pausing. Cause even just being able to pause is a skill and a practice in itself that is challenging on the best of days, but it's true, you know, to kind of to zoom out and be able to look at your situation from a bird's eye view. And I love that you have that practice every night of just, what am I grateful for? What was good about today? What did I learn? Um, what, you know, yeah. those really important things like listen yeah. to bird song. Exactly. Yeah. I just, um, now it's like my biggest, uh, sort of task every day is what karaoke song am I going to sing today? <laughs> did you pick one out for for today today yeah oh you know what i was saying? okay so i'm i'm kind of going through a little bit of a 90s grunge phase right Ooh, now i love it i'm going to do you remember that song do you remember tracy bonham mm, yes but you remember that mother mother song how what's the can you can you would You're, you sing a little no bit? i'm not going <laughs> to sing this on the podcast because people are actually listening to listening to this people don't actually have to listen to me sing when i'm karaoke in my living room just google it it's such a great song i've been listening That's to that better. so anyway i'm kind of going through this i'm back in junior high mm. 90s i got the flannel i got the docks like i'm just feeling <laughs> yes. like Allison Chains, Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins. Like I'm kind of going through this karaoke 90s phase. Last week it was all super 70s disco. Um, <laughs> we were at Donna Summer, like Tori was singing some old classic rock. We were kind of in that phase. This week has been, we're in that grunge phase and I'm, I'm feeling like, I don't know. I don't know where we're going next, but it's fun, you know? Yeah. Oh, singing is, I mean, we talked about this before. It's just like (laughs) such a great way to release some stress and be happy and tap. I can't remember. Somebody actually did a text or DM about what we said or what I said that I commit. I can't remember what I said that you're like, Oh, you asked if, if it was any good or if I was a good singer. And I was like, I, I'm committed my convince something about like my convention. I'm oh, committed yeah. to oh, yeah, I remember that. just executing <laughs> as as best as I can. Yes. Um because you know it's there's no it's just me and Tori. I don't care what Tori thinks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I mean you're singing for you. Yeah. So so I think that there's there's definitely something to be said in practicing that mm-hmm. often. Mm-hmm. And we, we have one of my friends just released a book, uh, Shannon Algio, it's called trust your truth. And that is coming soon. I, I believe it's, uh, one of, uh, upcoming episode. Maybe I think it's ne- next week, next Friday, next week. Yeah. Next Friday. So, um, you know, Shannon Algio is, he's a 
also a fellow podcaster um, and now author. He talks about going into those places energetically. You know, we talk about the, the Vishuddha chakra, which is the throat chakra and how important it is to use it. And to me, as I'm doing my karaoke, every time I'm doing it, I'm just feeling the, the energetics of oh, my Vishuddha is just like opening oh, up yeah. so expansive right now. Um, yeah. So all that being said, how about, do you guys want to listen to my interview? <laughs> Here's my conversation uh, via Mod Pod with Lorea Gaston. I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did. Thank you all so, so much uh, for being here. And Tessa, thank you so much too. Stress, sleep, recovery, whether we're at home or at work, these things shape how we perform. And just because I'm a yoga and meditation teacher doesn't mean that I don't experience these same bouts of stress. One thing I've added to my daily ritual and it's helped make a noticeable difference for me is New Calm. With New Calm, you can get the power and control to relax and recharge anywhere and anytime. The New Calm system uses cutting edge neuroscience and consists of three non-invasive and non-pharmaceutical items, all of which are included in your monthly subscription that costs less than a daily cup of coffee. The whole process is easy to use and to work into your daily ritual to achieve better sleep, reduce stress, and boost your recovery. So do what I did, own the day with New Calm. We have a special link set up specifically for our listeners. Go to lovednewcalm.com and get 50% off of your 30-day subscription of New Calm and their money-back guarantee. That's loved, L-O-V-E-D, newcom.com n-u-c-a-l-m.com that's loved newcom n-u-c-a-l-m.com to get 50% off of your 30-day subscription plus their money-back guarantee and now back to our show Welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I wanted to create a place where people can go to to get inspired, get motivated, or find some clarity and get tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to provide information on a variety of subjects, including yoga, holistic health, life coaching, spirituality, meditation, and overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best spiritual leaders, entrepreneurs, yoga teachers, coaches, along with some of my closest friends, and we will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and how they continue to grow to make that happen. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Radically Loved Radio. I'm joined by a very special guest today. She is, oh man, I don't even know what I would describe you as. It's like she is uh, an author now. She's a visionary. She's a creative. She is a loving human being. She is the founder of Lunch on Me and now an author of her first book. I'm going to say first, right? Is this your yes. first book? It is my first book. Yes. Oh, Love Without a Reason, The Art, The Lost Art of Giving a Fuck. We have Lorea Gaston on the show today. Everybody, let's welcome her with some 
some good loving, some good uh, oh, a warm clap track. You have it. Thank you. <laughs> so we were, you know, look, I mean, I, I've had you on the show before and I think it was maybe, I want to say it was three years ago, but it could possibly be four years ago. Yes. Four, I would say four years ago. Wow. And um, so much has, so much has changed and yet not much has changed, you know? Absolutely. You know what I mean? So I obviously wanted to have you on the show because this is my excuse to just catch up with you and talk to you, <laughs> but also just to, yeah, hear like your, what, what 2020 was like for you and, um, tell us about what inspired you to write this book. I mean, oof. well, I mean, 2020, I feel like it's been crazy for everyone. So I don't think my news is any different than anyone else. You know, it was, it was extreme shift. Um, the reason I wrote the book, which was before all of this had happened, um, from speaking, you know, and I have to say what's beautiful, I have to say before I even get into the story is you were the first podcast I've ever done. You were the first one. So it's really cool. Full circle, four mm -hmm. years later. Um, and you were the first recording I had um, been on. But just from speaking and, and traveling and and realizing and really having a self-realization because I think that prior to deciding to write a book, I don't think I knew the magnitude of being able to bring love in so many spaces. I didn't know the magnitude of it because I knew nothing else. You know, I didn't know the need because I just kept trying to, to fill those spaces. So I didn't know the weight of it, the gravity. And I think that from speaking and traveling and hearing from other people what their questions were there was this common theme of how do you how do you get to that place of love and it was something I felt like I couldn't I couldn't answer in a speech I think I needed to actually take a moment and think about it and have a, a time to reflect and say how did I get here I didn't think it was any, I didn't think my router journey was any different from anyone else because I felt like we all wanted the same thing, but I did notice that I was a little more aggressive in obtaining that Yeah, <laughs> when it comes to you love, it, <laughs> just, yeah. just, like, just a little bit. And so for me, that, that was the, the realization, like, oh my God, what is innate to me now needs a blueprint. And that's what made me decide because that was the question, no matter where I went, there was this, this same question, how do you get to that space? How do you apply that love? And I wanted to have a better answer. I didn't want it to be quick. I wanted it to, to reflect my journey of how I got here. And I had noticed from, from speaking, I never really shared my story. No one really knew. I just came out of nowhere, but no one really knew the backstory of, of how I got here. And I thought that was the first time to be able to, to intimately explain how I found and understood love and where it came from. And, and that's what the book is about. It's not a biography. It's literally about my discovering of love and where all those spaces came from. And it's a blueprint to look at, to, to sharpen our lens and our view of the world yes. because I think we miss a lot of things. And I wanted us to not miss the mark. Yeah, I hadn't. And I learned that in my life. And I learned that that was rarer than I had even thought. Yeah. I'd never thought it was a rarity. 
I mean, God, that's so, it's so beautiful. And for the, those of you that don't know, uh, Larray is the founder of the nonprofit Lunch on Me, which is an organization dedicated to feeding organic meals um, and healthy meals to those experiencing homelessness. Um, this is how I became uh, acquainted with her. And so, I mean, and so many more, I mean, like she is just, I mean, from, from when I met you back then to now, I mean, you've created so many more things. And I mean, this, you truly are uh, an embodiment and a, a, a visionary of somebody who walks the talk, you know, somebody who's actually coming from a place of deep rooted love and care. And so, yeah. And saying that I, I'm just, you know, so curious for you, like digging into those places in your own story to, to create the things that you have created. Like what was the most, what was the most, I would say, surprising thing that you learned about yourself during this book writing journey? Oh my God. Whoa. I had more to say than I thought. <laughs> that was one thing because I was really, I mean, I was, I was digging deep. And I think because I'm such a doer and I'm, I don't have time. Like I don't talk, a lot of people, there are doers in this world and there are people who think, who think, thinkers. And I had realized in writing the book, it gave me a moment to not just do from a worker bee standpoint, but to reflect. And I don't always do that because there's enough, enough people sitting around reflecting and not enough doing. So mm -hmm. that's not usually my position in life. And so it allowed me to sit back and, and even me honor just my journey and my discoveries and what I had realized, which I didn't necessarily put two and two together until I was actually placing, you know, a timeline on, on my life. It feels like one long day. But when I was actually doing that, I realized how I've never, not one space in my journey had I betrayed my heart. Mm -hmm. And that's, that was something that was different that I see people betray themselves all the time. And that was something that I was, that was my non-negotiable throughout the theme of my life was when I knew right and I knew better, I did better. And I would not settle. I would not, and I would not cower or quiet down from that better. And I would not complain. I would solve problems. And those things I didn't realize up even as a child, I didn't realize that was the theme of my life. I think that even when we come to our purpose and we figure things out, Every tool, every part of us literally has shown up in our childhood in every, in so many seasons, everything that we're doing, you know, I know people have magazines and they were kids making cutout magazines. I feel like so many things are, are full circle. And I realized I was always advocating for the underdog. I was the underdog. And I started by advocating for myself. And that was something that I didn't realize how I just, I never backed down when it came to love, vulnerability, and the right thing, no matter the consequences. So I don't think I realized the level of boldness I had in life. And I didn't realize that I didn't treat love like a passive thing. I treated it like it, it needed boldness. It needed something different. And the world, I feel like, has been a little passive when it came to love. Yeah. I mean, especially in your experiences in what you you've been doing with your nonprofit, I mean, seeing the passivity of love or people advocating that they are these loving beings, but then 
you know, having, and look, I don't want to say, look, everybody's going to love how they love, but, but I'm with you. You know, I come from the same school of thought. It's like, be bold in your actions. If this is what you're going to like practice, what you preach, you know, really give yourself the opportunity to show up as the person you believe you are, as opposed to just what you want everybody to think you are. And, and I've really loved that about you. I mean, I know you, and I, I know that you definitely practice what you preach. I mean, you're, you're right there in the trenches, literally with, mm-hmm. with the experiences that you've had and, and the people that you've helped. And it's been so moving for me to, to see that there are, God, I remember the, the conversation when we had our first conversation, I remember you said, you I don't know if you said this, but like my takeaway was like, you're like mother Teresa, you know, like this is sort of the energy that you have. You're out there, you know, feeding people, helping people that need help and just not thinking of it. it, It's not coming from a anywhere, but the place in your heart that you just want to help people. I mean, truly. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is something that is a lost art. I think being kind for the for just the the sheer desire to be kind or to like the tagline is your tagline is love without a reason, you know, to just be a loving person. Um, what's, what's been your experience with, I want to be very kind of gingerly with this. Why do you, why do you think people stop caring? What is it about us that happens that we we just stop caring about things that are important for us in our life. I think that our external world supports not caring. I think it actually validates how we show up for the world everywhere. There's this, you know, there's so many messages of if you, if you love the wrong person, you'll be taken advantage of, or you'll be heartbroken, or you only have so much to give. There's a scarcity complex. I think that all of the things externally within the world, um, I think that supports where we are. I don't think we got here by chance. I don't think it was accidental. I think it's just literally our infrastructure. I think it, it needs to be revisited. Everything, or how, how we do things needs to be revisited if we're not happy with how it is. And I think that that's, I can't blame the world because that's what it's been but that's our responsibility to dismantle what doesn't resonate with our spirit. I think that's our responsibility. And I think that there's no finger to point other than to look at ourselves and to decide what resonate and what doesn't. And when it does, you, you inherit it. And when you don't, you have to release it. And I think that that's the important part is we, we collectively should be working together, but individually we should be empowering ourselves to show up for the collective. Yeah. And I think that that is what's allowed so many people to be there and dynamics. I think that we're not taking, we're not curating the love we want to see. I think that what we do is like, we curate that love. Isn't like, it, it doesn't just happen. <laughs> you know, it, I, I believe you have to bring it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the differences from jobs, infrastructure, work, how many jobs support love and vulnerability. I mean, we're actually taught the opposite, that you only bring that you that's for your family and in work, you can't you can't be human. 
And I think that those things are supporting a very unhealthy society. And I think that's why we're unwell collectively, not just individual, but collectively, if we're looking at the whole, I think more people are suffering than they are at peace. And that's where it comes from. And, and that's what I believe has to change. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love what you're saying. It's like, we reserve that connection to love for, oh, that's your personal life. We can't bring that to all facets of our life because Mm -hmm. in this facet of my career, I have to be professional. And it's like, even in saying that the professionalism, you have to cut yourself off from being human. You know, you have to cut yourself off from being uh, another just loving human being. Like it's such a, it's such a weird dichotomy between I have to be this person here and I get to be myself over here where it's, if you start to blur the lines between those two and just be the loving person that you are, I, I, I'm not, why, I don't even know why that happens, but it's so true. It's like, you have to be reserved and not be like a loving person. It's so, and, and I think that that to me, like when I see that often, because even it, for me, there's, there's no difference. If you get me at home, if you get me working, if you get me on a stage, you're getting the same thing. Like there's no, there's no extra. It is what it is. And I say that because there's nothing else to discover. Like this is, and I think that there's a piece in that. I think that I don't, I suffer less. And I think it's because I haven't betrayed myself. I don't try to fit into what makes sense externally. I feel like what resonates in my spirit? Like I, I cannot live outside of that. I can't even show up for the world if I can't be in alignment with myself, you know? And I think that that is so important and that's what is often lost that has to be rediscovered. I think we have it as children. Like I, I think that coming into this world, experiencing just what it is to be human, but coming from a soul place, we have more soul than human at that point. Yeah, And I think that, slowly our external world chips that away yeah and and there's a a saying I think that um James Baldwin had said I don't know if it's word for word but he had said something that basically there's nothing that the world could do to you that over time you won't end up doing to yourself Mm. and it's because we take on those ideas the infrastructure doesn't support being loving and vulnerable and all these things and then we look up and we've completely decided to be all the things that the world chose for us to be and that's why we're here that's why people are suffering that's why they forgot what love was like some people I've talked to so many people and asked them like have you loved well or have you been loved and so many people can't even they can't even decipher what love is so even when it's in front of them it's foreign yeah and it's the it's the most talked about thing celebrated thing universally what is what subject is more spoken about than love? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that there that there is. It is the most mm-hmm. universal thing that it yeah. that it's what makes us. It's it's the the thing that is that can create our most commonality. I don't want to say it's yeah. the thing that makes us all in common because if people don't experience it, then it's going to be hard to connect on that on that level. Um, you know, I have a question for you and this is something yeah. that I feel like, you know, how, 
how do you get from, you know, learning about all of these people's lives that you impact, or even when you're in Skid Row and like talking to, you know, all the people there and how do you, how does it not affect you in, in the way of like making you angry or making you upset with all, you know, injustice or people having mental health and then not yeah. getting the right help that they need? Like, you know, people don't realize all the underworkings of, of homelessness. Like they don't yeah. understand the, the system. And so how, how can you continue to be in that space yet still have the, 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 the power and the energy to just keep moving forward with love? Yeah. Um, well, there's, I feel like there's a couple layers to that and why, because yes, there are moments I cry. There are moments I'm angry. I'm, I'm, I've been every emotion, um, but I don't, I don't steep in that and I don't stay there. Because if I stayed there, I wouldn't be doing my part. I would be steeping in that emotion. And a lot of times, yes, we're supposed to experience emotions, but I feel like when we make a home there, so much doesn't get done. And I feel like my peace, the only peace I have with the way the world is how I'm doing my part. There's no more I could do humanly possible than what I've already done and continue to do. And so I feel like when I think of, how a lot of people can apply that to not inheriting that energy. I feel like it's the same thing as when we lose someone we love and we weren't there for them and the guilt kicks in. There's a difference between a loss that's from a yearning to miss the spirit and the difference between someone who has guilt from not showing up when they had the time they were given. There's pain in both losses but there's a huge difference when you love someone with everything. The only piece that comes from, you did something with it. And that's where I connect the piece to what I'm doing is I am doing everything I can. It's not my job to solve the world, but it is my job to conquer myself and to understand what I'm supposed to do in the world. And there's peace in that. Of course you feel things. Of course the injustice is so hurtful, but I can't allow something to be so crippling that I don't do anything about it. And I just cry because just tears won't solve these problems in the world. And I have peace in that. I have peace in knowing if I, if I could do more, I would, and I would have needed two more arms <laughs> because I do so much. I do everything. I <laughs> use all of my hours. <laughs> I use all of my hours yeah. to literally <laughs> give, serve, breathe, help on a micro and macro level, you know? And so on a daily level, on an hourly level, I'm very conscious and aware of my moments and my hours and there's peace in that. I think that I can't imagine what it's like to have to deal with loss and, and the grief of guilt. Mm. I don't have that. I don't sit in guilt because I'm doing my part. So many people sit in guilt and shame because they didn't show up. They haven't done. And then they steep in that emotion. To me, nothing about that blueprint is healthy. You yeah. have to be more empowered. And the empowerment comes from showing up and trying to do your part. Yeah. Oh, it's so, it's so good, you know, for people. I mean, and, and I think that, you know, if we can even, I want to pull on that string just a little bit 
about, you know, people showing up and doing their part and how that looks different for different people, you know, Mm -hmm. um, not, not everybody is, is going to have the sand to go spend 43 days on skid row Mm -hmm. to live, you know, as somebody that's homeless, like you did, which is, Mm -hmm. I still, we haven't even talked about that. And I'm like, what an incredible experience that was for you. Um, Mm -hmm. but so how, what does that look like? I mean, is that something that people have to define for themselves? Like what showing up is satisfactory for them? Because somebody to somebody showing up is like, okay, I'll donate to your foundation. Like that's Mm -hmm. me showing up. And to Uh other people, it's like, um, I'm going to go and help deliver foods. That's me showing up, or I'm going to go do an event and, you know, a, a wellness event. That's me showing up. Or maybe me showing up is telling my friend about this foundation, you know, like, mm-hmm. what is it in your opinion? Like, what does that look like? You know, how, how do people show up? Well, I do think that everyone's what they have to contribute is very different from each other, but there's a commonality. I think that there's four things, time, food, talent, and money. I think we should do all four because there's, and there's times for all four. There's moments you might not have time, but what stops you from reaching in your pocket? I love to feed people. I feed thousands of people a month. There's moments where I'm not physically in a kitchen or I'm not physically with food in hand. So I have to pull out my wallet and give someone money to get food. Because in that moment, my money is going to show up better than the time that I don't have. Talent, for someone that might not have money, then start with your gift give your gift. Don't just charge for your gift, give your gift. It's okay to do that. And I think in the wellness world, there's a, there's a big disconnect I'm seeing because you can't be a healer and wellness is connected to a price tag because what makes you different than the medical industry? What's the difference? You can't see a doctor unless you have the money. So Giving your gift, I feel like is a huge call in the wellness world. I've said that to more people than anything. Give your gift. Don't give me an excuse you don't have money. I can tell you more studies show that people with the most money give the least. Hmm. So it's never a math. Like I look at the math. I look at the numbers. We didn't get here by chance. Like I look at the science behind how we got here. So that's a whole nother thing. It's funny. I talk about that. I, there's a whole chapter about that in the book, but, and then if you don't have that, give food. And sometimes you might not have a lot. When I was homeless, broke, eating out of grocery stores, like when I was younger, cause I've been through it all. There was not one time I didn't feel like I could share even on Skid Row. If someone, if we're at our last plate and someone didn't get food, the last person, nine times out of 10, will give half their plate to the person. Give what you have. The problem is we're not doing that. We're giving what we think we can spare or what we doesn't even have value in our eyes anymore. We're giving our garbage. We're not sharing. That's not the same thing. And I think at different times, they call for different things. When I can give food in that moment, I do. When I can give my time, sometimes someone's not hungry for food. They're hungry for attention and a moment to be seen. And that comes from attentiveness. I don't think that we should look at it from a cookie cutter place 
because everyone is in a different moment, but we do have to look at the foundation. These are the things I have. What can I give today? And I don't think enough people are asking themselves, but what did you do today? Not tomorrow when you're rich and you're going to cut a check to someone because I hear that in the wellness world too. When I get there, I'm going to help. If yeah. you live that yes. long, you don't, you know, time is not promised. Focus on today. Everyone can do something every single day. Doesn't have to be big. Like I said, micro to macro. Uh, impact isn't connected to velocity and something huge and grand. Sometimes turning points are small moments. And I think that if we're more aware of that mentally, that we always have something to give, then we will. Oh, that's so good. It's so true. I'm just like, yes. I mean, it's so, it's so true. And I think we, we definitely fall into that, that mindset, you know, that, oh, well, I'm working really hard to build my career, to make a lot of money so then I can help people. It's like, that's the number one thing that people um, say, you know, in, in my experience, it's like, oh, I can't wait till I'm wealthy so I can help people. And it's like, you can help people right now. I mean, if you have food in your fridge, you, you can help somebody right now. If you have time, homeless to give, people help can... people, homeless people, help people, people with nothing help people because it's not connect. Again, we, we measure change and impact. We try to make it measurable. Yes. It's gotta be this big thing. So big means great. And yes. grand, big doesn't. means better. And it's not always true. And I learned that even in my own moments, like I, I struggled. I went through a lot growing up. And so of course the idea of like having more, it was a big deal to be able to buy someone else food. Cause there was a time I couldn't feed myself. So that was a big deal, but I had to also learn everyone, like what we decide is big and important to us might not be someone else's big and important mm -hmm. because what we lacked might not be what they lacked. Someone might not lack money, but they lack time and attention and friendship. Yes. So I think that's the call to be more attentive towards others' needs. Don't put us in it. Like take a moment and whoever you're dealing with, what's in front of you, and you can see someone's need. And the more you become attuned to your spirit and, and energies around you, you'll, you, can, you can tell when someone's in need. For me, I can sense someone needing a hug. And that's because I didn't grow up. Hug, hugs weren't a big thing. You know, I learned that as time went on. And I had been told that multiple times, like, oh, your hugs aren't that great. <laughs> you know, until I learned because I had to learn how to do that because I'd never really, it wasn't something I did. It was foreign to me, but being able to come from that space, I realized how powerful they were because it was, it's, it's an energetic exchange and being so connected. Sometimes that, sometimes some people just need a hug. I've met strangers and been like, can I hug you? And they're just like, oh my God, how'd you know I need that? And I'm like, I needed it just as much. Hmm. I mean, I, just even hearing you say that it's, it's so beautiful. I mean, one of the things that I remember, I don't, again, I don't remember where you were speaking. Was, you were on a stage somewhere and I was there and I was watching you. You were talking about acknowledgement and how sometimes the smallest thing, even if just making eye contact with the person, you know, is it can be enough. Like that could be enough to say hello, acknowledge their existence. That's what you said. And mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, that is powerful. That is so powerful because we're, we're such, and look, I'm going to put myself in, in with everybody else. It's we're selfish. We can be very selfish, you know, and, mm -hmm. and think that, 
well, I don't, it's the scarce mentality. Like, oh, I don't have enough. So I can't share this. I mean, I grew up same. I mean, you know, my family struggled uh, to make ends meet. Uh, we were not in a great financial place growing up. I mean, we lived with like 10 people in like this small two bedroom apartment in East LA. And, you know, my parents didn't make a lot of money. And my dad was always the one, like he'd get his check on Friday and he would buy food and he'd feed the entire like complex. And my mom would always get mad at you. He'd say like, Oh, great. Like here you are now feeding the entire neighborhood. And, you know, I was just like, Oh, my dad just likes to party. He just likes to be around a lot of people. But you know, as I got older, I realized, wow, like, he's like, these people don't have food. Like, mm-hmm. and he's like, we might not have food next week. You know, would, wouldn't you want somebody to help us if, if we didn't have food to give? He's like, these people are hungry. When people are hungry, you need to feed them. You need to, you need to be mindful about the people in your surroundings. These are, this is your family. Like you're, you're, these is your community. You know, yeah. are you going to let your community starve because you're afraid that you might not have food tomorrow? And I remember just feeling like, okay, I get it now. This is why he does this. You know, this is why he feels called because he grew up in an environment where they were poor. I mean, he never even owned shoes until he was like a teenager, you know? And so I I think about that often, you know, especially, and again, for me, it's, it's hard to not go into the system because again, you know, just knowing what I know and not going into that frequency of like, why is the system so fucked up? Yeah. Instead of going into a place of like, okay, but what can I do? What can I do today? How can I help? What can I provide that doesn't cost me anything? Or if I have the money, where can I send money to? Or if I have the time, where can I go and drop this food off or do this or do that? Like, I think the more we, we operate from that space of just doing things, because that's just part of what we need to do. Um, Mm -hmm we will feel less of that pang. I think a lot of the times we feel the guilt because even hearing people talk about it, maybe people are listening to this right now feeling like, oh man, like I don't do enough. Like mm-hmm. or I've not done enough. It's like, okay, but you can start now. Like mm-hmm. it's a great opportunity to do something, to, to do the, one of the, one of the four things or all four things, if you can, that you mentioned. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. And like you said, when it comes to the system and those things, of course, we're very, very aware of that, <laughs> especially people who've been affected by the system multiple times and continue to be affected by it. Same with me, even if I'm not dependent on the system, but there's still barriers that get in the way. And what I've learned is because there are a lot of conversations on politics and government and all those things. And the first thing I have to ask every person is, but what are you doing? We can complain all day. If you look, there's something to be sad about, just like there's something to be happy about if you attune your eyes to either or. But what are you doing? I think the biggest thing we must ask ourselves, not how do we feel about the state of the world and what are we doing about it? Not fixing it. (laughs) That's no one person's job. But what are we doing? The problem is, I hear waves of complaints and I hear no actions. And that's the important part is what are we doing on a daily basis? 
And sometimes it starts with just acceptance and love and being kind to each other. It doesn't stop there, but it can start there. And that's what I think is the most valuable thing that all of us can do is ask ourselves how we are being a part of the solution. I agree. And I want to keep you here forever. I'm being mindful of the time now, but I'm just, I mean, there's so, so much that I, I just love hearing you speak. And, and for those of you that don't follow Lorea on uh, social media, please, please do. She's constantly um, posting about what she's working on, different things she's doing. And um, she just really provides a lot of information that's so valuable for you know anybody who's interested in, in making a change. Um, so the book is called, it's out March 16th. 16th, yeah. And yes. um, it's called Love, The Lost Art of Giving a Fuck. And, uh, I mean, she just basically told us why and how to do that. (laughs) So, so I, I'm excited. I can't wait to, to read it. And if it's anything like, um, just anything that you've taught or, or spoken about, I just, I know it's going to be incredible and you're incredible. And it's been truly just such an honor and a privilege to, to know you and to see the incredible things that you've done and continue to do. And I'm just, I'm so excited to continue to see where you take this and um, how many more lives you begin to impact. So thank you for doing that. Thank Um, you. And I just, for people, like you said, who might not be familiar with the work, the entire point of the book was I wanted to make loving and showing up an actionable, tangible thing. And the whole book, it's a self-help book based on how we all can be better in different ways. And it, it's just a guide from multiple places, mentally where we have to be to even show up in that way and how we take this information and apply it. The book is about applying it. You know, there's heart work exercises. There's exercises in the book that are focused on our hearts being a muscle. And that's what the focus is on the book because I feel the most important thing we have to do is get back to our center of love, what that is for us. And that's the childlike, the innocence, the space that is is so connected to spirit. And that's really what the book is about. The book is about getting back to that place so that you can show up without all the influences of the world and the things that we've gathered along the way because we do have to dismantle those things. We do have to leave them somewhere. Yeah, oh, so good. So for the people that want to learn more, where can they go for more information or if they want to connect with you? It's um, my website is lorea.com and you can actually purchase the book there. It's there for pre-order now. And we'll have, I'm going to have a launch on March 20th, which will be a Saturday. Are you in LA? <laughs> Yes, I will be here. Perfect. Hopefully I'll see you March 20th then. We will be having a social distancing lunch. Great. (laughs) Perfect. That sounds amazing. I will for sure be there. Uh, I can't wait. And all of the links that Larea just mentioned will be in the info button or the description of wherever you're watching this or listening to this. Be sure to get order the book, please. Pre-sales are really important. We want to support her and we want to support her mission. So 
please do that and um, make sure you, you follow her and just tell her how amazing she is and thank her for her work. Uh, thank you all so much for, for being here, Lorea. I love you. You really are. Thank you. I love you too. You're awesome. I can't wait to see you again. It's been a while. So I'm excited. I know, too long. Um, all right. Well, thank you everybody for watching and for listening. We will see you again next week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited to continue to do this. Please share this with your friends. Email us, message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes, write a review. We love doing this. So please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.